everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. Gina, do you want to know what I put in my hair to make my hair feel good? What? Oil of argon. I don't know what that is. It's Moroccan oil of argon. And you want to know what has Moroccan oil of argon? What? Purple Power Shine. <gasps> Purple Power. Purple Power Equine. Yep, absolutely. They've been with us since the beginning. They have. And she's got a new product. It's similar. It's like a, it's a shine spray for manes and tails and makes them conditioned and shiny and beautiful. So check out Purple Power Equine. Okay, today, Lynn, I have a story for you of a horse named Hans. Late in the 19th... Hansel and Gretel? No, clever Hans. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, nice play on words, by the way. You're welcome. Late in the 19th century, early 20th century, came the case of Clever Hans. Clever Hans was a stallion owned by a man named Wilhelm von Osten. He was a German teacher. He had a theory that he could actually teach animals, which sounds so... Of course he could teach animals. You mean he's a horse trainer? (laughs) Something like that. Well, apparently back then, the really smart people in the world didn't think that animals had intelligence. But he set forth to prove that a horse and other animals could have intelligence and, as you shared, be trained. Now, Clever Hans was trained. Are you ready for this? Here's a list of the things that he knew by the end. Clever Hans knew the difference between right and left. He could count. He could do various forms of arithmetic. He could spell out answers using the alphabet. He could identify dates on a calendar. He could tell time. Again, this is a horse. Clever Hans could also recognize colors, recognize playing cards, and recognize musical pieces. So Von Osten would play famous musical scores for Clever Hans. And then he would teach Clever Hans who the composer was. And since the horse had a grip on the alphabet, he could literally spell out the name of the composer when he heard a specific tune. Oh, you have got to go into detail on this. Because I'm struggling with this. Okay. Well, you were not the only one because Clever Hans and his owner were questioned at length, but we'll get to that in a second. I mean, if you think about though, like, I don't want to change the subject, but like dolphins. Yeah. You can teach them. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, and we've had this conversation in the past in that obviously we raise and show chickens. Why are you bringing chickens into this? Well, here's why. They have little bitty tiny brains. Okay, Chris. Chris always talks about how dumb our chickens are. I don't think chickens are dumb. I think all animals have an what I call an other intelligence. There are things about animals that they can do or that they know that we don't. I mean, for instance, a chicken can see a bug that you and I would never even see. Well, I think it goes a little deeper than that. Like. I'm thinking about like, okay, the monarch butterfly. Do you know that the monarch butterfly, the butterfly that travels to Mexico is not the same butterfly that actually makes its way back to Michigan. It takes four generations. And somehow they have this navigation that no one's ever been able to figure out. So 
my point of this tangent is that I believe all animals have an other intelligence and we just don't understand it yet or to the extent. And this is kind of like what Von Osten was proposing, that horses and other animals could have intelligence that we did not appreciate or recognize. Okay, let me finish the list. So Clever Hans could also recognize paintings and he would be able to stamp out the painter's name with his hoof. Levi can recognize a granola bar wrapper. See? Other intelligence. Clever Hans could also remember people pointed out in the crowd by Van Osten, and he could spell the names at later times of those people. He could also recognize people from pictures that he was shown. So you're probably wondering, Lynn, how did he demonstrate this knowledge? By stomping his foot. So Clever Hans communicated by stamping one foot on the ground for an answer. In other words, Van Osten would show Clever Hans the alphabet and he taught him how to kind of calculate what letter to use. So one stamp is A, two stamps is B, and so on. And then he also did the same thing with numbers. So, you know, if like Van Osten would put number five on the board, Clever Hans would stomp five times. He knew that that was the number five. So then he began to practice arithmetic. You know, if five and two were added up, Clever Hans would stomp his foot seven times. That was right, correct? I just want to recognize <laughs> that you just got math correct. <laughs> I had this this panic moment where I'm like, should. did you I should. add five and seven you correctly? Should. <laughs> you should. I'm glad that you got it right. Okay, so then if Clever Hans was asked what day came after Monday, he would tap his foot, you know, twice for Tuesday and then three times for Wednesday and so on. So that's how Clever Hans was able to communicate. All right, so who was Clever Hans? Clever Hans was an Arabian stallion owned by Van Osten. Now, most of my sources said that he was an Arabian stallion, but there were a couple of sources that called him an Orlov trotter, which do you know what an Orlov trotter is? Oh, put me on the spot. Of course not. Okay. Well, it's a famous breed of horses from Russia. So it's not entirely clear, but I'm going to guess he was probably Arab because that's what most of the sources claim. Clever Hans was, he was actually really pretty. He was all black and he had this white star on his forehead. And then on his back two feet, he had some white kind of like up to his, his fetlocks. Now, one of the sources that I saw, Clever Hans that ended up learning all this was actually the second Hans that then Osten had. The first Hans that he had really didn't take well to this type of training. And he actually, the horse actually died of colic. It was like a twisted gut. So von Osten went searching for Clever Hans number two, and he found him. And this is the horse that went on to be shown in all these exhibitions and so forth. So originally, Van Osten, when he was talking about this theory of training animals, he started out with a cat. Now, the cat was not a fan of math. And frankly, I've never identified more with a cat in my life. <laughs> the cat didn't, the cat was not a fan of math. His next pupil was a bear. Now, that didn't pan out either, but apparently he lived to tell the story. <laughs> so then his next learner was the original Hans. And then when that 
Hans died, he moved to the second Hans, which was eventually called Clever Hans. Apparently, Clever Hans took to learning with gusto. At the very beginning, Clever Hans quickly learned to tap his foot three times when the number three was written on a chalkboard. Van Osten, seeing he had a brilliant student, came up with all those other things that I went through on that list to teach the horse. I mean, first, like any good professor or teacher. He started with the alphabet and he started with basic numbers and then he went into addition and teaching the horse to stomp out actual words and names. Eventually, Van Osten spent about four years teaching Hans these skills, who appeared to understand and could amazingly answer the majority of questions that Van Osten proposed to him. So after those four years of preparation, Van Osten decided to take the show on the road across Germany. Lots of people came and Van Osten charged nothing because he was more interested in the research and a and proving that this was actually possible. By then, Clever Hans was seven years old, and he became a true sensation across Germany. By all accounts, it was an amazing show. People were thrilled and in awe, and nobody could figure out what was happening and how this how this could be. I mean, could a horse truly be that smart? Clever Hans showed the mathematical abilities of a 14-year-old and had an accuracy rate nearing, want to take a guess? 98.7%. 90%. You were optimistic. (laughs) Now, the crowds may have been amazed, but the academic community was a little suspect, much like you are. Higher ed and its professors and teachers and schools said, no way. This has to be a hoax. But there was one issue that no one could deny. Whenever anyone went to one of the demonstrations, Van Osten gave no signs to the horse when questions were asked that would tip Clever Hans off. I mean, by and large, the entire crowd recognized and admitted that there were no signals given to the horse. In fact, Van Osten didn't even need to be present for Hans to give the correct answers. What? Yeah. So like someone else would be like, all right, fine. You can do it. I want to see if I can do it. And so Van Osten would, you know, choose somebody or somebody would volunteer and they had nothing to do with him. And they would ask Clever Hans the question and Clever Hans would still give the correct answers. And so everyone believed that this was legit. And there was actually a 1911 article in the New York Times that supported this and said, hey, we've all been to these exhibitions. We've watched this go down. And this is not a hoax. This horse literally knows what's going on. Well, attempts to prove that Clever Hans was a hoax appeared to be easily foiled. But in 1904, the equine genius was brought in front of a group of people called the German Board of Education. This German Board of Education put a commission together called the Hans Commission. This group was made up of zoologists, psychologists, animal trainers, school teachers, and even a circus manager. They tested Clever Hans for over a year and a half and could not find any evidence of fraud. That group, the Hans Commission, 
put together by the German Board of Education concluded that Clever Hans was no joke. This is actually fascinating. It's totally fascinating. And because of this approval and support by these people, Clever Hans's star shot straight up in the sky. Everyone wanted to see this horse. However, in 1907, there was someone that still wasn't sure. He was another researcher by the name of Oscar Funkst. Funkst was a physiologist and a biologist. Van Osten was clearly certain that his horse was legit. And so he totally supported Funkst doing additional research on Clever Hans. After testing the horse, Funkst noticed something. Hans missed answers to the question when the questioner also did not know the solution. So the professor tried something else. He blocked Hans from seeing the face of the questioner. So clever Hans couldn't see Van Osten or any other person that was asking the question. They kind of basically made the horse blind, you know, put blinders on or whatever. When this happened, Clever Hans started answering the questions incorrectly. Now, what do you think this is attributed to? I think Clever Hans was reading lips. Close, but you're on the right track. Basically, what Funks determined was that Clever Hans was able to read minute details in the face of the questioner, whoever the questioner would be. In fact, Clever Hans was so smart and so sensitive to facial expressions that he could attribute or figure out the correct answer in a matter of milliseconds. So let's say that you ask Clever Hans, what's the square root of 16? Clever Hans would begin to tap his foot, examining your face as he went along. When he got near four taps, he be, he would begin to notice a change on the face of the questioner. It could either be a facial expression, you know, the way the eye, the questioner's eyes moved, like yours are, yours are doing right now, or even body expression. And then Clever Hans would stop at four and he would be basically correct. So another example was when Clever Hans was asked to add say two and three, Van Osten or another questioner who happened to be standing right in front of him, the questioners would lean slightly forward after after Hans tapped the fifth time, but before he could tap the sixth. So they were unknowingly giving signals to clever Hans. The horse is clever. The horse is brilliant. I mean, his, the horse's perception and the ability to read faces and body cues that were truly unintentional by the humans is, it's unmatched how amazing that is. Each time Clever Hans would reach the correct number of taps to provide a human-like knowledge about the correct answer, the human, usually Van Osten himself, would obviously make subtle movements, sometimes merely a change in facial expression or a shift in stance that would cue Hans to stop. When others attempted to do this with Clever Hans to you know, prove or disprove what Van Osten had done, 
those people would also make those minuscule changes in their face or body that Clever Hans would recognize. That's human nature. Yeah. So Clever Hans's abilities at reading even the slightest changes in the human face were so amazing that Van Osten didn't even realize what was happening. In fact, Van Osten was like, wait, what? And so he tried to minimize his own reactions. And what he found, Van Osten, was that he was not able to control his own physical reactions to the answer or stop the facial expressions or stop the body movements. So it's like when you're feeding a baby. Yes. And you go to put the spoon in the baby's mouth and you're already open. It, like, <laughs> right. Like Airplane. It's, yes. Like it's just human nature to us. And so Van Austin didn't realize that. Yes. Yes. <gasps> Fascinating. Yeah. And this is actually super groundbreaking information for what's happened in research ever since then. So in future animal experiments, other scientists would find more examples of what they called this Clever Hans phenomenon. And to this day, they call it the Clever Hans phenomenon. Okay. So they came to the conclusion that animal experiments must be done more carefully in regards to face and face contact. In fact, there was a paper published in 2013 in Communicative and Integrative Biology that revisited some examples of this phenomenon seen in current experiments with parrots, dogs, and dolphins. You mentioned the dolphins. And what they found is that Dogs follow people's facial expressions, particularly their eye movements. So it stretches into this realm of consciousness of animal psychology and cognition. And this particular horse, Clever Hans, changed the way many social science experiments are done today. As I shared, Hans the horse even had this methodology named after him. The Clever Hans story and its discovery of unconscious cueing is still discussed among psychologists and animal communication experts even today. Of course, Clever Hans totally demonstrated this way back in the 1890s. Sadly, after Funk's experiments proved Hans wasn't a genius, the horse's popularity waned a bit. The magic of his ability is gone, which is sad because it's clear that, frankly, Clever Hans really was brilliant. Yeah. You know, I was expecting to poo-poo this episode when mm-hmm. you told me what we're doing. I'm like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. It's fascinating because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to just break this totally down, Van Osten had been watching Hans. But Hans had also been watching yes. Van Osten just as closely. What a remarkable animal. Like, I love this animal. I love this animal. So Van Osten became, and basically what happened was that they poo-pooed it. They just said, nope, you know, Clever Hans is not the brilliant horse. They failed to recognize, though, what he did bring was this amazing ability to watch a human and respond to cues that other humans didn't even pick up on. Well, because of this, Van Osten became an irritable recluse. He was convinced that his life's work was ruined. It was just thrown aside that because people just are like, yeah, whatever. It's we figured it out. It's just not that special. But 
as we're talking about it right now, it, it really was special. So Van Osten died in 1909 of liver cancer. Although when he died, he sold Clever Hans to a scientist and a jeweler named Carl Kroll. And Clever Hans joined the group of horses called the Talking Horses of Eberfield, which we must do another episode on those horses because I went down a rabbit hole and there's a whole story there. Now, what happened to our brilliant four-legged friend, Clever Hans? Unfortunately, Clever Hans was subject to fate, much like his two-legged questioners. Despite being a horse, Clever Hans could not avoid the draft. World War I had started in 1914, and humans and horses were called to fight for Germany. According to the Animals in War Memorial Fund, 8 million horses would go on to die in fighting in World War I. And although it cannot be proven, most most of the sources that I came up with said that Clever Hans was drafted into World War I, and he died in 1916. And he either died basically one of two ways. He was killed in battle, or it is proposed that he was actually killed to feed hungry soldiers. You could have left all of that out. I know, I know, but how could I leave it out? No, it had to be told. It what had if, to be told. I, I'm really glad that you shared the story. This is, a, what a brilliant horse. A brilliant horse. Now, there is a wonderful children's book published in 2020 called Clever Hans, The True Story of the Counting, Adding, and Time-Telling Horse by Carrie Kokias and illustrated by Mike Lowry. See the book? Cute. It's cute. And we will put a link to the book in the show notes. But Lynn, do I have a surprise for you? Guess what? I bet you're going to talk to the author. I'm going to talk to the author. Yes, I did. I did reach out to the author and I was able to chat with her for a few minutes. And we're going to transition into my discussion with the author of Clever Hans, The True Story now. Carrie Kokias, welcome to the Horse Industry Podcast. I'm so excited that you joined us. My co-host and I recently recorded an episode on the famous Clever Hans. And Carrie, I bought your book. Tell me, are you a horse person? Well, thank you for having me. You know, I I have not been around horses very much in my life. And the few times I've had the opportunity to ride them, I've been a little bit afraid of them. But I definitely am an animal lover. I love to meet horses when my feet can be on the ground. And I would I would like to be around horses more at some point in my life. So how did you learn about Clever Hans? Okay, so I first learned about Hans when I was taking psychology courses in college. And we were learning about the Clever Hans effect and his contribution to research in double-blind studies. And I, his story just stuck with me. I didn't even know like how fully intriguing it was until like you know 20 years after that psychology course when I started to really dig into all the things he really was able to do and all the theories that people had on how he was doing it and just all like how intense the controversy was over if it was a trick or if he was psychic or if he really was intelligent. One of the interesting things that I learned was that 
because people didn't have the same respect for animals that they do today and they were almost seen, seen as like belongings or objects, mm-hmm. this idea that animals could be could possess any form of intelligence was almost seen as like sacrilegious or involving the occult. So it was very passionate, the opinions that people had about how Hans was doing what he could do. It's truly amazing. And I surprised my co-host Lynn with the fact that, as you've shared, people didn't think of animals as having intelligence. How did you conduct your research? Where did you go for the information? So I, I started by just digging around what was generally available on the internet. And what I found right away was that there was a lot of contradictory information. And I knew, I mean, I knew that that wasn't going to be where I, how I conducted my, like, truly conducted the research, but that's how I started by just seeing if there was a story there. Like, is there enough going on to make an intriguing book? And I quickly learned that there was. Um, and then I needed to go back to original sources. So it was a little bit tricky. My, I mean, honestly, the main source was the research report from Oscar Fangst. And so it's like a, gosh, like three or 400 page <laughs> research report that was written in 1911 and translated oh. from German. So it wasn't, it wasn't super easy to sort through. I think I read it probably eight times. But, and I'm, you know, I'm used to reading research reports, but this one was kind of heavy and just used different language than I was used to. So that was the main thing. And then just digging up as many newspaper articles as I could. And newspapers around the world reported on Hans. So I could look at just the different reports that were coming out from different places in that point of history and try to get things translated because I only speak English. Right. (laughs) You know, your research was fascinating. The book is fascinating. I think it's such an important book for kids to to have in their hands and to see how animals, particularly in this case a horse, can impact social science research. My final question yeah. for you, Carrie, is that in reading and doing my own research for this topic, and this isn't addressed in the book, but it's really kind of a head scratcher what happened to Hans at the end of his life? I think he was drowned. I know. Do you have any idea what yeah. really happened? No, it got really tricky. So his owner continued to work with him for several years after um, the scientists had kind of discovered that he was reading people's cues rather than being able to do all these things independently, which is still just as amazing. Totally. <laughs> I mean, really. And totally. so just as strong of intelligence. But... So he continued to work with him and continued to show him for a couple of years. And then he did sell him off. And the records from there get really crazy. And all I know is probably what you know from looking online. That there's different things speculating, but I could not find any original sources. So the main speculation is that he was sold to be an army horse and sadly either died in war or even was eaten by soldiers. And oh. that is why I ended that is why I ended my story earlier because that's just such a sad, you know, obviously such a sad tragic ending to such an amazing life. Right? I mean, and that's what is so what a loss of truly, I mean, yes, perhaps he didn't actually have the type of intelligence that that perhaps they thought he did, but he was certainly 
very, very brilliant when it came to reading cues. And he has made such an important contribution to our our social engagement that for him just to simply be lost in that way is really devastating. It's a super tragedy. And his owner, Willem von Austin, who had done all this work teaching him and working with him and showing him over all the years, they had a very strong bond. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not I didn't find record of if he had passed away and that Tohans began his journey into being sold mm-hmm. or like what was going on in his mind or life. I, I definitely wish I knew more. Yeah, that's one of those mysteries that have been lost to history. But with that said, you've done such a nice job of capturing the essence of Hans in your children's book. So thank you so much for being with us today. And I can't wait to share your book with our listeners. Thank you. I hope they love it as much as I do. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.